0: No one's coming for your guns. You sound dumb when you speak like that. (laughs) They're taking our guns! No. No one's taking your... We want you to register your guns, like you register anything potentially dangerous. You register your car with no issue. When you're at the DMV, you're like, they're taking our cars. (laughs) What did you just say? Yeah, first we get driver's license, and next thing you know, we're walking everywhere! It's a slippery slope! (laughs) No, sometimes it's flat land, and... Now, you might say, well, it doesn't matter what you want because of the amendment. Second Amendment protects them as a right and not a privilege, and I'll give you that. I'll give you the Second Amendment. Defend the Second Amendment with all of your heart if you also defend every other amendment or know what they say. (laughs) Amendment people are hilarious freedom of speech, right to bear arms, I'm tired. Like what about the rest? There are so many. Like the Seventh Amendment. No one ever cares about the Seventh Amendment. Why doesn't anyone ever defend the Seventh Amendment? None of you even know what it says. Some of you are trying to think of it right now. You're like, is it plead the Fifth? No, that's the Fifth Amendment, the Seventh. The Seventh Amendment says that every civil matter involving more than $20 can go to full jury trial. Or maybe it doesn't. You don't fucking know. My point is, either amendments are sacred or they're not. It's as simple as that. And if you're someone who feels you need to own a gun because you want to protect yourself from your neighbor, okay, I support that. I do. I think that the Second Amendment is important. I think that a person who is educated and responsible and regulated should be allowed to own a gun. However, if you need a gun because you're afraid of the government, you don't know how tanks work.
1: (laughs) Hey, my name is Eric McCoy, and this is that show which works to understand things that we may not fully understand. I want to clarify something on this episode, which may fall slightly different than some of our other shows. And when I say things we may not understand, I'm not necessarily saying that I don't understand because this topic that we are actually going to explore today, I do understand. Um, I do understand both arguments. But again, for those who know me, (laughs) I've worked the best I could to understand the ambivalent nature of as many things as possible. And you're going to see me sort of play that devil's advocate today, which means that I may argue certain things that I'm ambivalent on or disagree with myself, so debate can actually ensue. (laughs) And I do have a guest today who I do not personally know, but I'm extremely glad that he reached out to me because this topic is very controversial for a lot of reasons. And some of the reasons that I will argue as being valid reasons, especially with situations that have been happening in our country that have destroyed lives, I guess you could say the topic is of two schools of thought. Do we implement control or do nothing? Now, I don't think that's going to be the complete answer to this whole thing, um, even with my guest, And I'm not going to assume where my guest stands on political spectrum, although we did talk briefly about it, and although I can assume, and for his understanding and those who are listening, I am not a black and white thinker, and really, I can't sit on either side. You know, I agree with certain policies of Republicans, certain policies of Democrats, and disagree with certain policies on each side. Um, I actually am not the person that's going to vote for sides either, but instead, what I think is right. And... With that being said i understand that this show and if you watch some of the episodes appears to be a more liberal show with topics that we have discussed but it's not actually designed that way and i can't say i'm honestly a huge fan of Biden based on policies that he's implemented going back to his 1994 crime bill but trump was much more fun and entertaining to focus on (laughs) for the absurdness and weirdness of certain republican Congress people. <laughs> and I will describe, you know, it's funny. I kind of like when I talk to you, I kind of describe Democrats sometimes as dumb and Republicans as well, straight out of a mental hospital sometimes. <laughs> and I want to throw out something. If anybody believes, and this is another one real quick, if anybody believes in anti-abortion with no exceptions, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, that mindset really interests me. Um, and it's something that I don't really believe that forcing the mother to carry to term, even if it's going to kill her, or like we saw recently, a 10-year-old girl who was raped being forced by her state to carry that child. I want to understand that, which I do not understand. All right, let's move. (laughs) So before I introduce our guest today, I want to play an argument by a Republican senator that, and we know the stance if you follow politics. And I want you to listen to this real quick.
2: You know, inevitably, when there's a murder of this kind, uh, you see politicians try to to politicize it. Uh, You see Democrats and a lot of folks in the media whose immediate solution is to try to restrict uh, the constitutional rights of law-abiding citizens. That doesn't work. It's not effective. It doesn't prevent crime. We know what does prevent crime, which is going after felons and fugitives and those with serious mental illness arresting them, prosecuting them when they try to illegally buy firearms. Walk a Mile of My Shoes has been focused
1: mostly on arguments of people. We believe on this show and appreciate different opinions, but to me, opinions can only make sense if there is validity to the argument. Logical fallacies are typically politicians' go-to, which means they fall apart with reasoning. Now let us go back and see if Ted Cruz's argument holds true with what he says.
2: You know, inevitably, when there's a murder of this kind, uh, you see politicians try to to politicize it. Uh, You see Democrats and a lot of folks in the media whose immediate solution is to try to restrict uh, the constitutional rights of law-abiding citizens. That doesn't work. It's not effective. It doesn't prevent crime.
1: The one way in which something is easily politicized is when a politician receives money to keep their mouth shut on something. Our discussion today is on guns. Do all parties receive this type of payoff for different things? Sure. But again, we're talking about gun control or lack of gun control. Ted Cruz shouldn't be the one making that argument in Texas. In the wake of the Texas elementary school shooting where 19 kids and two adults were killed, there is renewed scrutiny on the Hundreds of thousands of dollars Republican lawmakers have received in campaign contributions from groups supporting gun rights. Senator Ted Cruz received the most money from gun rights supporters. There's a pattern that follows congressional action in the wake of a mass shooting. Lawmakers will zero in on legislation focused on gun control that requires bipartisan support to pass but that Republicans will not stand behind. This spreadsheet has 535 names on it, with the majority being Republican, with the exception of a few, to make sure restrictions aren't placed on guns. Makes you wonder what they really think. Makes you wonder what decision they would make if it was their child who was killed in school, because we know from history that once things turn around and affect your family, well, We need to do something different
2: we know what does prevent crime which is going after felons and fugitives and those with serious mental illness arresting them prosecuting them when they try to illegally buy firearms now with ted
1: cruz knowing what the answer is let us see texas implementing that solution and how it was done we know the suspect bought those two ar-15 style rifles and hundreds and hundreds of rounds of ammo immediately after his
3: 18th birthday. So here in Texas, all of it was bought legally. Experts say
1: it appears the gunman did everything by the book. Of course, Texas has some of the most lenient gun laws in all the nation. Our Perry Russum dug into some of those laws and looked at how the state has relaxed gun restrictions just over the past year.
4: After mass shootings at a Walmart in El Paso, a church in Sutherland Springs, and a high school near Houston, Texas continued to ease gun restrictions.
5: Government is coming to take your guns. Texas will not let that happen.
4: In June of 2021, Governor Greg Abbott signed a series of bills alongside the NRA.
5: There is a need for people to have a weapon to defend themselves
2: in the Lone Star State.
4: Abbott made Texas a constitutional carry state, dropping the requirement of background checks and training before buying a gun. The governor also lowered the age to buy a handgun, giving Texans as young as 18 the ability to get one with certain restrictions. The state has no restrictions on buying a long gun. Governor Texas Abbott says that law has station. been in place for more than 60 years.
5: Think about during the time over the course of that 60 years, we have not had episodes
4: like this. According to the ATF, the shooter bought one gun two days after he turned 18 days later, he turned it on a classroom of fourth grade. Is this a story about gun access? Is it about mental health or is it a combination of both? And that answer will be debated for a very long time. But a man who lives two houses away tells us it was way too easy for him to get that gun. I am very pleased to
1: have Trent Gander with me today who works, from my understanding, in the firearms industry. Partially, yes. Uh, he, is, he is working on a personal project and the information he sent me currently referred to as understanding violence and its tools. Yes. And he believes that violence is a hugely misunderstood topic. Now, I believe that he has reached out because of our desire to have a good discussion regarding controversial topics. You know, speaking instead of yelling has been my idea of looking at topics. And I purposefully began this show with that video I put together for two reasons. And one was to create a conversation starter. <laughs> mm-hmm. And also because in his original communication, Trent mentioned highly publicized mass shootings and political motivation. And I agree with both of those, but it isn't on one single side. And yes, the discussion that the Democrats used to justify their decision is in regards to the mass shootings. But I do see, like Ted Cruz's statement, of the left is making this political is actually a distraction by many Republicans to avoid the conversation about mass shootings and blame it to something else. Every state has laws and different laws with guns. And of course, I actually live in a state with the most, I guess probably one of the most restrictive laws and as long as I live in California, I will never be able to own a gun because I am a convicted felon, <laughs> which brings up another conversation that we'll get into in a little bit. And let me thank you, Trent, for
6: coming on the show. I really appreciate it. I'm not to be here. I'm intrigued to see how this is going to go. And the, you're right. There is too much screaming and shouting and misinformation going around about The subject and the subject of violence and guns in general.
1: Absolutely. And I want to start by saying, again, that I appreciate you. I appreciate your ideas and, and your opinions, and I really appreciate your decision to talk about it. I actually, and I'll tell you honestly, I have very little respect for a lot of politicians because, and I'm speaking on both sides, that they have agendas and they're actually not willing to talk much about things. Now, I read the message you sent very carefully, and I will admit that Texas is probably, and I want to say probably not the best example to use, to say that gun control would have no impact on gun violence. Texas reduced the requirements for 18-year-olds just prior to the shooting, and he was 18 and did buy it legally. Now, could something have been done different if it was stricter and saved those lives? And possibly Now, honestly, we'll probably never know (laughs) because cause cause and effect is Mm. difficult to prove on either side. Now, I want to first ask you, do you believe
6: that there should be no restrictions on guns? The honest answer is yes. I believe that most of the things that have been placed on the books, background checks, many of the other SASS things do nothing to prevent violent crime. And I have surprisingly enough, a lifetime of experience seeing it not work with all the restrictions that many people ask to uh, put in into place because I live in probably the third most restrictive state in return to firearms. I live in Illinois and I have lived in the shadow of Chicago for about 26 years.
3: Uh,
6: (laughs) So every single weekend I hear over the radio four to 30 people have been shot and killed or severely wounded in Chicago. And Chicago, you have to register your firearms, you have to uh, have a list of them, you have to have several background checks, several waiting periods, all these other things. And Chicago being one of the most prominent uh, figures in the anti-gun pool, shall we say, uh, having the worst gun crime in my entire state, seconded only to the Capitol, really makes me question... How are these things are actually effective if they are the answer? Well, and I got, a, I got a question for you on that. So how
1: many of those guns do they just go to another state to purchase them?
6: There is that argument. They have been That is an argument that uh, the mayor of Chicago has had. Uh, the interesting aspect of that is, is that Indiana, where most people claim that these firearms are being filtered in from, uh, does not have the same level of violent crime as Illinois does, we think that the, the easier access of firearms would indicate a higher rate of violent crime using firearms. And while well, we do see that somewhat in the statistics, you think it'd be roughly even being, you know, neighbor neighboring states in roughly the same demographic.
1: I'm going to make an argument that is going to create a problem with Trent's argument because data doesn't match what he is saying. According to the CDC, which continues to gather data on firearm mortality across the country, they paint a different picture. So according to firearm mortality, there were 586 more deaths in Illinois versus Indiana, which does make it look higher, but here's the problem. Indiana has a population that is almost half the size of Illinois, And based on most statistics, they calculate firearm mortality per 100,000 residents. Indiana has 17.3 per 100,000, while Illinois has 14.1 per 100,000. Now, you may say that this isn't a fair comparison because you still have more deaths. So let's use that argument for a second. Let's compare California, which has very strict gun laws, and as we've seen, Texas has some of the most lenient. California is the most populated state in the country, with almost 40 million residents, and Texas has almost 30 million residents. 10 million less people in Texas versus California. California in 2020 had 3,449 firearm-related deaths, with Texas at 4,164 deaths. That places Texas at 14.2 deaths for every 100,000, with California at 8.5 for every 100,000 deaths. Now, I also want to make a note that Indiana isn't the most lenient in gun sales, but they don't require background checks. But instead of going east, Illinois residents could just go west into Missouri. Missouri does ban the possession of firearms by people with felony convictions, but they don't require a background check. If anybody could explain to me how that's effective, explain how how would they know?
6: So this leads us to the conclusion that maybe something is different. Now, there are three aspects that I go to when I'm thinking about this, and that we cannot get rid of guns. We have reached critical mass in terms of firearms in the United States Illinois I think even California of the known guns that are in the hands of private citizens are enough to equip the militaries of other countries completely Mm -hmm. Illinois I believe was the equivalent of the country of Yemen so we have more than enough guns for everyone I think the estimate is roughly at least one for every citizen or more yeah but yet, we see wildly different statistics in terms of where violent crimes are occurring, who's killing who, and what is actually happening in terms of those situations. For the other aspect of it, is, is that with the widespread acceptance of 3D printing, even if you got rid of all the known guns, the, the parts compatibility, the, the being able to build them yourself, and the the ease at which it can be done with parts kits or even just completely with no real firearms parts, has already passed. 3D printing has opened up an entire world of new firearms design, firearms access, and really lack of quote unquote, control. Which brings to the third aspect, which before, actually, was illustrated with the assassination of former Prime Minister Abe in Japan, that Manufacture of firearms, even crude, simple pipe shotguns is capable in the most restrictive of environments. Because for my understanding of Japan's military history, after it was conquered in World War II, essentially all private ownership of firearms was removed. And uh, the perfect scenario where uh, gun control could easily have been and was implemented to a successful degree Yet we still have a former prime minister shot to death with a homemade firearm. And that can easily be done in any place that has hardware stores, home utilities. All it takes is a simple amount of know-how and the determination to harm someone else in order to achieve a goal. Okay, let's look at this argument. Everybody has one,
1: so why regulate that? I want to offer another idea for our listeners to think about. If laws aren't designed to save innocent lives, then what is the point for laws? Now, I'm not a fan of many laws, but common sense shows a picture of what is possible. So here are three things that are legal in the United States. If word goes out that someone is putting these together and we have no law against what they can create. This can never be prevented. About a third of the building has been blown away. Where do you draw the line on these so-called printer guns? What the fuck is this? Again, where do we draw the line?
4: Oh, oh this is more like it. right.
1: Now, you stated also in your letter, and I was thinking about this, too, that a large portion of the Western world is severely uninformed when it comes to weapons. Now, Texas, do you think it makes sense for Texas to remove the classes on gun safety if most are uninformed when it comes to weapons, which is what they did?
6: The spectrum of how uninformed someone is is actually quite broad because there is the basic understanding of firearm safety. You know, don't point the load of weapons somewhere, always treat it as it's loaded, and the safety aspect. But how bullets and firearms are actually used to kill people is largely misunderstood. We're mostly influenced by things like video games, movies, TV shows, and how most people are exposed to how firearms work and their effectiveness on people. Uh, is influenced by that. So you see yeah. someone hit You mean like holding the gun sideways? <laughs> holding the gun sideways, yes. But more specifically, uh specifically in this cop shows where uh a fleeing criminal who turns around, whips out his pistol, and is about to shoot the uh our our heroes and heroines, uh, is hit with a, a single pistol caliber round and is flung 40 feet backwards and dies somewhere splattered all over the wall. That is not. How most firearms actually work. Sure. And there are some games out there that have a more accurate representation of how firearms perform when they unfortunately are used on someone. But we still have like this 20% of the information that is actually put down into raw data, biological and psychological understandings. And then we have 80% of all this other stuff, which is just the perception of what it is through the media that we've consumed for the last 20, 30 years. That is mostly mostly what I deal with when I talk about lack of information, uninformed opinions on that situation. But why would Texas do that, though? Why would they remove the classes? Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, it almost seems like
1: to me, again, going right back to politics, Mm. the left's over here and then the right's way over here. Mm. They're like, fuck you. We're going to do this. You're saying that, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. It see, that seems crazy to me. You know, it's like, I mean, at least uh, to me, if you're going to sell a gun to an 18 year old, that there should be a little bit of information, maybe that's passed on to, for safety reasons. And I agree with you. I mean, I look at mass shootings and things like that. And it, yes, it kills a lot of people, but the number is not enormous. I actually have the the numbers up here. Let's put out the numbers. As you can see, there have been 119 school shootings in which at least one person was killed or injured since 2018. There have been 88 people killed and 229 people injured from school shootings since 2018. As these numbers compare to the number of firearm mortality numbers in the country and school shootings as they are relatively rare you know they have forced a generation of students to grow up practicing active shooter drills other exercises designed to prepare them for in-school violence
6: i'm gonna kill everybody nobody's
5: getting out of here it's every parent's worst nightmare an active shooter on campus Threatening to kill innocent kids. In this case, just a drill, but a terrifyingly realistic drill. And that's now an issue. How do you strike a balance between preparing kids and scaring the pants off them? It may be just a drill, but the trauma is real. The fact is, ever since Columbine 15 years ago, the U.S. has had more than 160 active shooter incidents. That's about one a month. And as we saw in Sandy Hook, even the youngest kids aren't safe. So in school districts across the country, lockdown drills are now as common as fire drills. Some go as far as covering students in fake blood and recruiting volunteers to play dead in the hallways, all in an effort to make the drills more realistic. Attention,
7: this is a drill, we need to lock down.
5: The modern version of duck and cover.
7: Please go behind my desk.
5: The teacher locks the door, pulls down the shade. Everyone's told to keep quiet.
8: It's kind of scary huh kind of scary.
5: the kids huddle quietly under the teacher's desk do you know why they do this drill
7: exactly
5: yeah. for one final exercise the teachers do their normal duck and cover drill and see how they're sitting ducks a scene like this could feel terrifyingly real and leave behind a lasting impression but one that might save a life when it matters most. I'm David Wright for Nightline in Highlands Ranch, Colorado.
1: The gunmen actually doing it. You know, now the the sad part, obviously, is the fact that, you know, the last one was elementary school kids. I mean, that's absolutely insane,
6: you know. And potentially well, there was one in Ohio as well, but it was oddly enough ended with a an armed private citizen after constitutional carry was implemented. To me, it
1: seems like there should be some kind of education some information that's passed on
6: so specifically we'll we'll, be, we'll get into specifics the uvaldi school shooting was an absolute mess to put it politely
1: has anybody noticed that he never commented on on the remark of any kind of training and this is exactly what politicians do
6: not because access of firearms but more than that police response mm. after the incident there was and a literal hour that passed after an armed SWAT team is holed up outside of the, the room that the shooter was in, mm-hmm. letting him continue on his rampage instead of physically stopping him compared to uh, when essentially an, an outside influence, a Border Patrol agent came with his own equipment and rushed into the room and eliminated the uh, shooter, which is the, the unfortunate reality of mass shootings is the time it takes for someone who's willing to do violence, starts doing violence before someone else with a firearm who's also willing to do violence arrives and stops them. That amount of time is measured in human lives, mm-hmm. is an absolutely gory and dis- disgusting statistic that the m- longer that one individual who has decided to end other people's lives remains alive is measured in how many people he's killed. Yeah. is a terrible situation. However, like the, uh, the potential mall shooting that I talked about just a few minutes ago, an individual armed similarly to this uh, person in Uvalde comes out of the bathroom and uh, an armed private individual engages him. Yes, two to three people were killed by the gunman. But the gunman was eliminated within 15 seconds of his rampage. And who knows how many people he could have killed if he waited five, 10, 20 minutes, which are the average response times for just police cars, just random street cops to show up to a scene. So he had mentioned Ohio. And as I researched extensively,
1: couldn't find an incident that he referred to. I did find one that I now believe he is referring to when he mentioned mall. It wasn't Ohio, but instead Indiana, And yes, it was an armed bystander who possessed the gun legally who took out the perpetrator after he killed three people in the mall. And this shooting does come weeks after the repeal of an Indiana handgun permit requirement. So now, anyone aged 18 or older who is not legally prohibited from firearm possession may generally carry a concealed handgun in public. Now, according to Indiana law, only mental health issues, stalkers, and those with a history of domestic violence are prohibited. Nothing about prior convicted felons, but also no background check needed, which again throws into debate on how they know the ones who are prohibited. It's rare for a bystander to stop an active shooter attack in the United States, and this was according to an FBI report in May, showing that only two out of 61 attacks last year ended when citizens engaged the shooter. There was a similar New York Times analysis that found that only 22 gunmen in the 433 mass shootings since 2000 were shot by a bystander.
6: We have 19 children who were murdered in Uvalde. And two teachers. And two teachers. Two teachers, roughly a total of 21 individuals, were murdered senselessly in a place that they think that they should feel safe because police did not respond in a timely manner in fact arrived and waited and waited and waited until someone else came in and decided to do the job that they were hired to do it's not like you're a a public relations officer who was brought in this was their SWAT team or at least their tactical response team do we know at all why he why they waited no we don't it has been completely covered up we're going to get to that topic
1: in a little bit here too as far as uh you know giving teachers guns i want to we're mm. going to talk about that <laughs> right now life liberty and the pursuit of happiness obviously is a very well-known phrase in the united states declaration mm. of independence and the phrase gives three examples of what we would call unalienable rights which mm. the declaration says have been given to all humans by their creator and which Governments are created to protect. And like the other principles in the de- Declaration of Independence, the phrase is not legally binding, but you know has been obviously widely referenced and seen as the inspiration or the basis of government. A question I have is that if life is something that the government should protect, and we have a problem with shootings, does protection of life create any conflict between the second amendment or i'm going to assume you believe <laughs> that the second amendment helps protect life
6: you're right in your assumption however the the situation with the declaration of independence originally the draft was life liberty property but that was taken to be a little too restrictive Mm. so it's life liberty and the pursuit of happiness which back in the 1700s was essentially what you choose to do what you feel is necessary in your life Mm -hmm. in terms of the second amendment we see that it states something along the lines i'm doing this memory by the way uh, so forgive me yeah you're good uh, that a militia being necessary to the security of a free state The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed another aspect of this argument is that we do not modernly teach people the mindset that the founders had when they were writing these laws and we actually have their opinions in the federalist papers and the the massive amount of uh of argument that went back and forth between them before the constitution was ratified and many of them explicitly distrusted the concept of government And that as much as the United States has claimed to be a democracy, republic, if anything else, the primary goal of the founding fathers was to create a cohesive unit that had the power completely and utterly put out to the individual as much as possible. And if it wasn't in the individual's care, it was in the care of the states, the more local governments. And then finally, at the end of it all, the federal government, the one that overarched all of the country, would then have its its area of control. And the supreme law of the land as, as referred to as the constitution is not the basis of what the government is supposed to do, but the cap of what government is supposed to do is a restrictive accent on top of the, the cake that is the United States. As some of my Australian uh, friends like to say the within 50 countries in a trench coat. So we are not a a homogenous unit. We're not a single state. We are essentially a collection of miniature states put into a nation. And we saw this with the European Union, how they tried to mimic that and how they actually really failed. Because at least for the United States, we had a, a few founding ideas in the constitution. The second amendment states that it is the people's right the ind- and therefore the individual's right to keep and bear arms this emphasizes that it's a naturally occurring right the government does not give it to us they do not technically have any authority to take it away and many of the recent supreme court decisions in regards to firearms have reinforced the concept that it is about individual security individual safety i don't have the statistics for us because it's a very nebulous uh Name this topic of how much crime is prevented by firearms, because many times these no crimes, the crimes that have not been committed, are not reported because no one knows that they actually occurred. Uh, on the low end, it's estimated to be 200,000 incidents a year, and on the high end, somewhere in the low millions. So if we look at the the number of deaths related to firearms, especially specifically homicides, people killing other people with no justification whatsoever Beyond they wanted to hurt them. The roughly you have around, I'm looking at the FBI statistics right now, with weapons in total, specifically with firearms between 2015 and 2019, anywhere between 9,143 people to 11,014 people were killed in a year with firearms. These are specifically murders rather than justified homicides, suicides, and similar incidents. Of those, specifically with rifles, which covers ear 15s, uh, grandpa's long hunting rifle, uh, even muzzle loading firearms, anywhere from 215 to 389 individuals were killed with rifles alone. And roughly in the 200s to 250s with shotguns. So these are the big, scary, largest, powerful guns that citizens can own without having to have things like. NFA restrictions or even uh, ETF violations. Okay. Comparatively, if you look at knives and cutting instruments, 1500, 1,500 to 1,600 individuals roughly every single year. And more than that, or more than the, the rifles and shotguns, roughly around the same amount combined is the same for blunt objects, such as hammers, clubs, you know, sticks, And for personal weapons, hands and feet, we get 600 to 715 individuals killed with just feet, hands, and whatever you naturally have on your body. So obviously, obvious to me is that the situation is not tied to rifles or shotguns specifically, but Mm -hmm. into the intent of the individuals who want to harm someone else. I mean, I can't see a very logical world that will cut off people's hands and feet to prevent them from being able to harm other individuals. Yeah. That's uh, rather cruel and very unusual. So just like a politician, and I think purposely
1: left out something, he's absolutely correct with his statement about shotguns, rifles, blunt objects, and knives, but left out handguns. Handguns are easily the most convenient and easily terrible, and they range between a little over 6,000 to a little over 7,000 deaths annually. Based on the argument that few laws with more access to guns reduces deaths, I may have to beg to differ. Now let us use the state with the least amount of laws regarding guns. Mississippi has the single worst rate of gun deaths and is among the five states with the highest gun homicide rates in the country. There is no law requiring secure storage, and it forces higher education institutions and K-12 through schools to allow guns on their campuses. And as you can see, it is 28.6 gun deaths per 100,000 residents, the highest in the country. Yeah, I want to say, and I want to let you know real quick, you know, that You're talking to somebody who lives in the real world, right? Mm -hmm. I don't live in the delusional world that says that you're going to stop gun violence (laughs) by creating gun laws, right? I personally think prohibition in general and not just guns, right, creates more problems. I understand, I'll tell you, I understand human behavior with with obviously some exceptions (laughs) as I majored in psychology in school. I work in the substance abuse field, like I was telling you, and prohibition of drugs is what is causing a lot of deaths out there. Drug cartels are reaping the benefits. You know, we as a nation, we love to feed the cartels. And speaking of that, with guns, I want to bring up something. <laughs> and, you know, we have a lot of fun on the show. Okay, I was telling you. And um, we, look to, we like to look, again, at people's arguments. And as I said, I don't believe in prohibition. But what does, what does discourage me are arguments that don't sell me on things sometimes. I'm going to show you a video. I have played a video but this video before, and it fits well with this. And this is our ex-president, Donald Trump. And he made this famous statement that I'm going to play that has been heard around the world and criticized drastically. And I guarantee you know the video. And I added an additional part that I want to actually make a comment on. So
7: listen to this.
8: They're bringing drugs. They're bringing crime. They're rapists. And some, I assume, are good people.
7: And in July, footage emerged of that CGNG convoy. These gunmen call themselves the elite group and pledge allegiance to El Mencho. In both the convoy and the Mexico City attack, the cartel's firepower was on display. They're armed with assault rifles with grenade launchers attached to the barrel, heavy machine guns, and also this gun. This is a 50 caliber sniper rifle. It's a powerful weapon that the CGNG loves to show off. Other cartels use it too. 50 caliber bullets are huge. They can kill from over a mile away, punch through armor, and even take down helicopters. These guns are outlawed in Mexico but legal in most of the US. And there's evidence that border states with loose gun laws like Texas or Arizona are supplying them to the cartels.
3: A weapon that can fire a mile and a half being sold without any kind of control at a gun show, and that how how easy that is to get to organizations that are causing so much havoc in Mexico and in in further south as well in Central America.
7: And there's no way to track the guns after they're purchased. Some of them get smuggled across the border. Over the past few years, at least 70% of all guns seized in Mexico came from the United States. The Mexican army recovered 554 50 caliber rifles from 2010 to 2018, and all but one of those were traced back to the United States. If you or I
3: or any legal buyer wanted to get a 50 caliber Barrett rifle, you could purchase one from a gun dealer in 47 states, or if it were on sale at a gun show, Uh, You could buy it, it would be totally unregulated, it would not require a background check, it would not require um, any other kind of review. You could bring it home with you that day, you could then uh, pass it over the border yourself or you could sell it to someone else at a profit and that person could bring it over the border. It's very easy to get items like that over the border because most of the enforcement at the border is focused on people and things coming from south to north instead of
7: north to south. American guns going south isn't a new phenomenon. It's been happening for years, and U.S. law enforcement has sometimes made the situation worse. From 2009 to 2011, the ATF allowed nearly 2,000 firearms worth $1.5 million dollars to be purchased in order to track the buyers and sellers who they believed were connected to Mexican drug cartels. The ATF lost track of the guns, and hundreds were later recovered at crime scenes in the U.S. and Mexico. Two of those weapons were found near the scene of a murdered Border Patrol agent in 2010. And in 2016, a 50 caliber rifle from that ATF operation was found in a hideout used by El Chapo. American gun sellers have said for years that the smuggling isn't their fault. But experts say common sense gun laws could help stem the flow of guns from America to cartels in Mexico.
1: That brings up an interesting dispute to Trump, right? Are we the ones that are bringing the crime or providing the opportunity for murder in Mexico? And I understand and Correct me if I'm wrong. In order to purchase a firearm in the U.S., you have to be a resident of the state in which you are
6: buying it and able to prove that residency. Is that correct? That is incorrect, but each time you do purchase a firearm, you have to fill out a form. I believe it's Form 4473, something similar to that. But every single time, even in, in gun shows, they require you to fill out this form, and they will not sell you a gun if you don't fill out that form or have trouble filling out that form or show any sort of um, possibly predisposition we would refer to it as. Right. Do uh, you have to even show that you're a U.S. citizen or is it just anybody can buy a gun? generally that is on the actual page itself so there are a number of things especially within illinois and other locations you do have to show some forms of id it does not necessarily mean that straw purchases don't exist they have we have records of them but they are not the primary reasons that firearms get into mexico however the other aspect of this is is that certain locations like texas like many other southern states you can purchase a firearm the same day but you still will have to fill out those forms sorry trent i gotta correct you again on this but texas
1: as this you can see this form does not currently require background check for firearms sold or traded at gun shows by private individuals or unlicensed vendors and this is the gun show loophole uh,
6: the other aspect of this is is that they emphasize the the sniper rifle, which is actually an anti-material rifle, it's a Barrett M85 uh, variation. Uh, they emphasize that one, but they don't emphasize some of the other videos that have the cartels rolling around with a 50-caliber heavy machine gun, a Brownie M2, which are definitely not a lot in civilian hands in the united states and they have these in spades which raises a question of where are those which are significantly more effective than a single sniper rifle where are they getting these because we haven't been selling them to them and any civilians who own them hold on to them because one they're incredibly expensive yeah. even basic nine uh, millimeter submachine guns because i was looking at uh probably two or three years ago, just to see what a machine gun actually goes for. They're worth $50,000, $60,000 on the civilian market. Can you imagine anyone else was probably gonna get pennies on the dollar for that selling them across the border, going to invest that much in a illegal machine gun just to hand it off to someone who is going to use it illegally and probably not pay them the economical value of it. I wanna look at this from a rational standpoint, okay? Mm -hmm
1: our laws right, are fueling the deaths from drug overdoses because of a lot of the fentanyl, of course, is coming from Mexico, right? Mm-hmm. From the cartel standpoint, it's business. That's why I see this, right? And the yeah. black market is money, billions of dollars. People do things for money. Yeah. You know, Fentanyl kills 50 and then we get a hundred addicted mm-hmm. business, right? And we're also providing weapons <laughs> to the cartel, mm-hmm. uh, because of the fight for the second amendment now either way our laws and rights destroy the very thing that our government i believe and i I believe this was designed to protect right Mm -hmm. (laughs) life life um now this is a question i have Mm -hmm. you know i'm an american and i believe in the freedoms that we have Mm -hmm. although i have to admit right i have lost faith in our constitution in a lot of ways and I wish those, and here's the reason why, I wish those that fought for one amendment would also fight for all of the amendments. And I'll explain Mm. this real quick. So I'm clean and sober today. Mm. I have no desire or plan to return to drugs. But I do care about the lives of Americans that are suffering with substance abuse. I want to argue real quick for the right of the people to use drugs. And I want you to consider this argument for guns. And as you'll see, I've thought a lot about this. (laughs) Okay, I would say that people have the right to live their lives in a way they choose, so long as they don't violate the equal rights of others. What right could be more basic, more inherent in human nature, and even more so than owning a gun, than the right to choose what I put in my body? Right? Whether we're talking about alcohol, tobacco, herbs, saturated fat, marijuana, this is a decision that should be made by the individual, not the government. Now, if government can tell us what we can put or not put into our bodies, what can it not tell us? What limits on government action are there? Now, we usually discuss the Constitution in terms of rights. Does the government's action infringe on some enumerated or unenumerated rights of individuals. But this emphasis on rights, I believe, can be misplaced and even counterproductive. So the question does indeed secure our rights. The Constitution is a document through which the founders, if you correct me, authorized the federal government's powers. It was two years after the ratification before we even had a bill of Rights, And it cannot He thought that we had no freedoms between, what was it, 1789 and 1791, I believe. Roughly then. Through the Constitution, we delegated certain of our powers to the federal government. We enumerated those powers in the Constitution. And by enumerating them, we made clear that the federal government's powers were limited. After a short period, it was decided to add a Bill of Rights to the Constitution, For greater caution, is sort of what James Madison said and in his words, and because no one could enumerate all the rights that individuals retained, Congress added the Ninth Amendment. The enumeration in the Constitution of certain rights shall not be construed to deny or disparage others retained by the people. And then they added the Tenth Amendment, which reserves to the states, or to the people, all the powers not explicitly granted to the federal government. So the first question we should ask, when we think about the Supreme Court and the Constitution, is not what rights the court will find there. More basic is the question of whether the power the government claims has ever been authorized. By first asking, not whether the individual has a right, but whether the government has a power. Not only do we get the order right, but more importantly, we shift the focus to the government, to the source, if any, of its authority. That puts the burden of proof where it belongs. It is not up to the individual to try to tease a right out of the Constitution, but for the government to show where it gets its authority. Ours is a limited government. Government can act only under some enumerated power. So in that light, where in the Constitution does the federal government find the power to ban or regulate drugs? In 1920, people understood this, and when they wanted to ban alcohol, they passed a constitutional amendment. You can't say much good about the prohibitionists, but at least they had enough respect for the Constitution to go through the formal amendment process. But we've never passed a constitutional amendment granting the federal government any power to ban marijuana or cocaine or heroin or other drugs. The federal government's contemporary prohibition policy is an illegal and unconstitutional power that it was never given.
6: And that goes back to our the other thing, that prohibition really does not work, no. and we've reached critical mass in many different things. Uh, it's, it's mind-boggling to me because... Uh many people come out and say, well, we need more government regulation. We need uh more strong tops or something along those lines. And th- the lines where those begin to cross over with the actual solution are really hard to see.
1: Uh Ted Cruz, and you know, and he's been saying this to background checks. Background checks. Now it's all bullshit. And I'll I'll show you in a little bit on his why his argument is bullshit. <laughs> but you know, background checks that If you're a convicted felon, you should not be able to own a weapon. And uh, but we want people to have weapons so that they can protect themselves. So they're basically saying that because I was arrested 20 years ago, Mm -hmm. and I've been arrested in 20 years, I should
6: not be able to protect myself. I believe that is complete and utter bunkum. (laughs) Uh, I know. uh, I would say he's a good friend. If I called him, he'd come help me uh he is a former vietnam vet he went into the military because of legal issues back in the day Uh, he has been actually he just recently got out of prison he has been a felon after he got out and he's been accused of things he has not done and i believe he has the right to defend himself now if we have say someone who is a vicious murderer that's one of the reasons why i believe in the uh, the death penalty he's not going to go out and vicious murder if he's executed however if you went into jail you paid your debt to society as people like to say it and they got out you should be able to yeah. defend yourself it's it's yeah. i've never been
1: arrested for any violent crimes it was all drug related you know that stuff then that's
6: bs I, it really yeah. is the uh the world that we live in what i view as the major problem is that there are no standards anymore there's no standards for individuals. There's no standards for stuff. I don't mean like you have to be this tall. Oh, we're going to enforce our religious opinions on you. It's like we should have a concept that you should be a decent human being. Here's how you do that. Here we we'll encourage you to be benefited from being a decent individual, or you're benefited from not being you know a sack of crap or anything else. Like one of the one of the greatest emphasis of the United States, even before that, that, the whole American dream is that you can come here with nothing or you can be born here with nothing and work your way up to something. Is that true these days? It really depends on your availability and how you, how smart you are, how skilled you are, any of those other things. Yeah. But when, when people were pushed, when there was, I hate using this term, but the, there was no participation trophies, when there was actual meaning behind accomplishment, We had a much better society we had much better people because hey that guy might call me a sack of crap but i did this thing over here and they they made something of themselves whether it was actual monetary value or if it was in discovery in pushing out beyond the limits that other people had set on them and Mm -hmm. that i believe is the true american dream the uh, the ability to self-determine and that comes down to all the rights that we have to determine how what and why i'm doing anything that i don't have to justify to anyone else but myself i want to say real quick
1: and, and i always we we almost always do this okay um I, I always have to make fun of donald trump i don't know what you think of him but a major difference that i see a lot of times in republicans and democrats is lack of consistency right if you could look at january 6 and how republicans change their stories within days of the events on what actually happened And I want to play Donald Trump again. And Trent, maybe I want you to clarify what he believes on gun control.
8: I've been a member for a long time, and my boys are members, and they're much better shooters than I am. I'll tell you, they know more about guns than any. I don't know. There might be two or three people in this room, but believe it or not, not many. So to get the endorsement, believe me, is a fantastic honor. And... And I just said to Wayne, and I just said to Chris, I will not let you down. Remember that. I will not let you
2: down. If an individual is reported to be a a potential danger to themselves or others, allow due process so that no one's rights are trampled, but the ability to go to court, obtain an order, and then collect not only the firearms, but any, any weapons. In the possession or of that might individual. take
8: the firearms first and then go to court because that's another system because a lot of times by the time you go to court it takes so long to go to court to get the due process procedures uh, I like taking the guns early like in this crazy man's case that just took place in Florida he had a lot of fires they saw everything to go to court would have taken a long time so you could do exactly what you're saying but take the guns first go through due process Says this for the most part, as strong as you make your background checks, they would not have stopped any of it. So it's a big problem. It's a mental problem. It's a big problem. Hillary Clinton, and, you know, I call her crooked Hillary because all you have to do is read any newspaper you want. But Hillary Clinton wants to abolish the Second Amendment. Just remember that. We're not talking about change it. She wants to abolish the Second Amendment. So. We're not going to let that happen. I can tell you that right now. We're going to preserve it. We're going to cherish it. We're going to take care of it. Okay?
7: I'm not here to repeal the Second Amendment. I'm not here to take away your guns. I just don't want you to be shot by someone who shouldn't have a gun in the first place.
8: We're going to be very strong on background checks. We're going to be doing very strong background checks very strong emphasis on the mental health of somebody. And uh, we are going to do plenty of other things. Again, next week, the governors are coming in from most of the states, and we're going to have a very serious talk about what's going on with school safety. Very important. And uh, we're going to cover every aspect of it. There are many ideas that I have. There are many ideas that other people have. And we're going to pick out the strongest ideas, the most important ideas, the ideas that are going to work, and we're going to get them done. It's not going to be talked like it has been in the past. It's been going on too long, too many instances, and we're going to get it done. And now familiar parade of cynical politicians seeking to exploit the tears of sobbing families to increase their own power and take away our constitutional rights. Every time a disturbed or a demented person commits such a hideous crime, there's always a grotesque effort by some in our society to use the suffering of others to advance their own extreme political agendas. I see some folks that don't say nice things about me, and that's okay, because if you turn that into this energy, I'll love you, but I don't care. I would give very serious thought to it. It doesn't make sense that I have to wait till I'm 21 to get a handgun, but I can get this weapon at 18. I don't know. I just don't think you're going to get it approved. You? You're not going to get concealed carry approved. Amy and Diane and a lot of other people, they people may consider. They're never going to consider it, but people may consider it. But they're not going to consider it in this bill. We can't get it done. There's nothing else like that
9: where it works. People want it. And we can't do it. But
8: you um, have a different president now. Well, listen, I, I, I mean, the, you went through a lot of presidents and you didn't get it done. You have a different president. And I think maybe you have a different attitude, too. I think people want to get it done.
9: Mr. President, it's going to have to be you that brings the Republicans to the table on this, because sure. right now the gun lobby
1: would stop it in his tracks. I
8: like that responsibility, Chris. I really do. I think it's time. It's time that a president stepped up.
6: What do you think? What do you think he stands on? money <laughs> <laughs> probably <laughs> <Pay him> more <laughs> so there, there's two things that have to be remembered with donald trump is that one he is a businessman first and so you don't kind of crap where you eat when it comes to certain things and so you, you say nice things to people while you're there with him and try to get them to to do things and the second thing is is that he is a lifelong new york new york does not necessarily have the uh the most loose gun laws and is it's very it's not surprising to encounter that mentality from someone who's always lived in a certain place with certain, cause a lot of this actually does come down to culture, because it's, it's undeniable that the, the southern states have more of a culture around firearms than the East Coast and the West Coast do. Uh, You have more culture around firearms in more remote locations or in areas that have traditionally been more, I hate using the term militant, but they have been frontier states for long periods of time. But as certain locations become more urbanized, that mentality starts to fall away. And as as those cities become the new frontiers, taking from the, the old frontiers, the danger and putting them in a new urban setting. Uh, opinions can shift and the cultures will change because I was watching an interview with uh, someone who was a former member of Delta Force and he grew up on the south side of Chicago. He says, it's really weird. People there, they think guns are bad and it's, it's just that part of the culture. It's like I, I train people with guns and i don't tell them what they do they don't need to know but it's like you no know, they have guns it's like yeah i'm, I'm training some cow stuff you know what their cops are bad you know what else they got They got guns and it's like it really is a culture war between those who prefer guns or people in the middle who think who don't care what they have guns or not and those who do not like guns and this is goes back to all the way to the beginning of our conversation where understanding of a problem can help us solve it so because most of this is highly emotionally charged you know i love my guns don't take them from me into i hate guns you should have them taken from you there's no actual understanding of the thing that they're trying to get rid of uh from some of my research it's scaringly uh easy to make explosives that can kill lots of people in a very short amount of time but because of the access and the know-how that's not available to a lot of people, despite the fact that it is, they just don't think it is. Many people focus on what is, what's, what is available, what can be seen that ends up being firearms and knives and clubs and cars, uh, because we fought an entire war, with a bunch of people who made explosives out of urine. That was the total that was the total aspect of the Middle East. I have I've had friends who were blown up in it and survived and talked about people who had their friends blown up in it and didn't survive. And it really comes down to humans are really, really good at figuring out ways how to kill each other
3: Absolutely. and
6: Absolutely. no amount of people saying, well, I feel uncomfortable with this. Like, I, I, I'll tell you right now. There are things in your house. That you don't think you're dangerous are dangerous in the hands of the right individual Whether uh, that's a fork or your household chemicals it is i got some big ass knives yeah that too <laughs> yeah uh it, actually in fact um many knife laws go against the the constitution as or the second amendment and that's one of the things because i like to collect knives and all my stuff Wait, it is, goes against the constitution it goes it goes sorry, sorry knife laws goes against the constitution in that they are restricting arms and the major reason why uh large bowie knives and other knives were outlawed in certain areas of the southern states was to cut down on dueling because you could legally uh challenge someone to a duel at the time and they they whip out you know crocodile dundee style knives and they cut Uh, each other up that's not a knife this is a knife (laughs) exactly and so i was thinking about this also leading up to this conversation uh in illinois It's either a four inch, it's above a four inch blade or above a three inch blade, I forget which, Uh, a knife is considered a lethal weapon. So if someone attacks you with something, a knife that's larger than that is considered lethal force. However, case law has determined that if someone takes a one inch piece of glass and kills someone with it, that is a lethal weapon. So it all comes down to the situation, the scenarios, the, the precedent that has been set in the legal proceedings determine, well, you see, you see, I killed him with something that was not a lethal weapon. Well, you made it lethal by killing someone. That's that's the that's the jump in the logic. It's like, well, scissors aren't necessarily made to kill people, but you can still kill people with scissors. Or you can smack them against the ground hard enough and the earth is now a lethal weapon. And that's that's the problem with all this because people don't people understand how people die. They don't fully grasp just how fragile our lives our bodies and what we consider normal is it's it's hanging by a thread that is thinner than a spider's web Mm -hmm. and they don't realize that because we've been growing up in a relatively nice comparatively peaceful nation compared to south america certain parts of africa the middle east where explosions are going off all the time people have been having blood feuds for generation after generation and it's just been killed this person because they've always been our enemy and here do you have soccer moms i feel safe
1: i feel safe i do one thing i was gonna say on this and i really appreciate this and i want to give an educational thing here for for those that are watching and those that are listening what we're doing here is the way to i think Deal with issues. You sit down, you talk. But I want to make mention, I want to show a video real quick, and we're gonna run out of time here, but I wanna I want to show another video, and this is on an educational aspect. I believe the greatest way to address situations is having a two-way conversation, like you and I are having. The worst way to gather information is by listening to somebody that's on a stage speaking. And not having the ability to communicate. How honest is their information going to be? And of course, we're talking a lot about politics here too. And the video I'm going to show is is our good old friend, Ted Cruz. Uh, And the reason I want to show this, okay. And I came across this video when I hear things and I do this with anybody. And I do this with, with, you know, especially anybody that I don't have the ability to ask questions or talk to, Mm -hmm. I research what they say. And I, and I hope, and I encourage everybody out there to do that. Research what you hear on any, all sides, any side, whoever it is. Research what you hear. And this is going to be a great example. Um, and so, again, I'm going to go back to Ted Cruz and his misleading of information. And every time someone lies to the public, it riles people up. And that's the problem I see. And nothing gets done. But I want to show this video. So, check this out. And then I'm going to explain the true story and the full story behind what he's trying to say here.
2: In 2013, I introduced legislation called Grassley-Cruz. It was designed to take the guns out of the hands of felons and fugitives and those with serious mental illness. Grassley-Cruz did three things. First, it would mandate that the Department of Justice conduct an audit of federal agencies to make sure that all felony convictions have been reported to the database. Second, Grassley-Cruz would create a gun crime task force at the Department of Justice, specifically to prosecute felons or fugitives who try to buy firearms illegally. Third, Grassley-Cruz would have authorized $300 million for school safety improvement grants to harden our schools. When Grassley-Cruz came to the Senate floor for a vote in 2013, 52 senators voted yes, including nine Democrats. It was the most bipartisan piece of comprehensive legislation before the Senate. So why didn't Grassley-Cruz pass into law if a majority of the Senate voted for it? Because Harry Reid and Chuck Schumer and the Democrats filibustered. If you want to talk about policy proposals that could have stopped at least some of these mass murders, Grassley Cruz is a perfect example.
1: I don't know if you kind of caught that whole thing. Okay, so this was at the NRA convention just recently with Mm. uh, Donald Trump was there. Now, we know that he is completely against background checks and doing any of that kind of stuff. Or he is, which goes against what you want, right? (laughs) but here's the thing on this. And this was, I did a lot of research on this because when I saw that video, that's exactly what I thought. I was thinking like, there is no fucking way that Ted Cruz wanted background checks. He said it before he said it numerous times. And so Cruz said again, that in 2013 under a, and it was a democratic Senate that a majority of the Senate voted in favor of this quote unquote Grassley Cruz amendment. So it was an amendment of a thing that had already been passed mm-hmm. to tighten background checks. But the Democrats filibustered it. Now he, you got to remember, he's saying this to the NRA, that the NRA mm-hmm. convention. This retelling, okay, is accurate up to a point, but it leaves out half the story. So Reed, as he had mentioned, he set, this is what he did, he set a 60 vote threshold for all amendments because the Republicans made their own filibuster threats against what the Democrats wanted to pass. Mm. And so to get out of the standoff, the Republicans and they unanimously agreed to the 60 vote threshold for all these amendments. And the Senate's makeup at the time was 55 Democrats and 45 Republicans. Mm. Ultimately, right. When the voting was held and this was on, April 17th, 2013, nine amendments received a vote. A few that were relatively in controversial, they passed with a 60 vote supermajority while a few fell short of even that 50 vote majority. Now the cruz Grassley amendment attracted majority support, but it didn't get obviously the 60 votes. It, It it got a... I think it was a vote of like 52 to 48 with nine Democrats voting for it. And there were two Republicans that voted against it that same day. And actually it was prior to this. It was before this Cruz Grassley that the Senate voted on an amendment that was sponsored by Joe Manchin and also Pat Toomey. So Joe Manchin, we know is a Democrat, Pat Toomey is a Republican. That would have also toughened background checks for purchasing guns did almost the exact same thing. This bill was before it, right? The Manchin-Toomey Amendment, which was backed by the Democratic leadership, also received a majority vote, but it also fell short of the 60 votes required for that passage, right? So there were four Republicans that joined most of the Democrats in supporting that Manchin-Toomey. Five Democrats joined the Republicans in opposition. But Reid set right the 60-vote threshold in response to, again, the Republican threats to filibuster the Democratic measure, meaning that both sides are playing the same game. And to get out of the standoff, Republicans unanimously agreed to the 60-vote threshold that Reed established for all these amendments. And this game has been common since the 1990s, and it creates a system where senators on either side can avoid accountability by taking votes that have no chance of passing but serve the party's campaign message. And that is exactly what happened. And that kind of stuff is stuff that always interests me. We're standing at the NRA. We're going to do background checks. The Democrats voted against it because this was just after that school shooting. A major focus that Ted Cruz has, and I don't know if you've heard this before, was single place entry into the schools, metal detectors, barbed wire fences. But here's a sad part of that story.
0: We need metal detectors at the schools. It's
7: just that's where we are now. Were there walkthrough metal detectors at the school Wednesday? No. Could there have been Yes, the district's online safety policy allows for
6: metal detectors for all grade levels. They're not alone. Plano ISD's policy allows them for sixth grade and up. Irving ISD approved handheld metal detectors for secondary schools. But the key word here is allows. The TEA released a report in 2018 that says 91% of Texas school districts do not have metal detectors on any of their campuses, but 84% were considering it.
4: I've
1: actually been saying this for a long time. Mm. Um, I actually was in, my brother lives in Kansas, and I had gone out there. We'd taken a vacation a few years back. Um, I It's probably been like five or six years now. But we took a vacation out there, and I was involved in a school shooting preparation event. A drill. That they actually had. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. and they had all these students. uh, They even had makeup bullet hole like in the kid's head and i mean it was like a full presentation that they were doing but what their goal was was to figure out ways that you can get the medics in faster because normally you know if you have a school shooting the police go in they clear it out then they come in and so what their idea was was to was to be able to figure out a way that they can go in with them almost um to get to the kids maybe that were shot as fast as possible because timing is obviously important the faster they can get in there the better chance of survival and i asked the lady that question when i was there and i said if you guys are so worried about this why don't you have metal detectors and what you know type, type of stuff and the lady said we don't want it to look like a prison and i was thinking that safety of our children should be a priority of how the school looks everybody's fight on the NRA gun rights should be about fighting to implement some kind of safety measure right because then the other side also won't have the ammunition or so to speak right <laughs> <laughs> yeah and uh i want to add real quick with what i think personally is a good statement because if's says something about solutions you know Mm -hmm. nobody has all the answers but what if we could just remove our biases remove our agendas and remove our opinions right or even consider compromising in certain aspects before jumping down people's throat 14 kids
9: dead in an elementary school in texas right now Just days after a shooter walked into a grocery store to gun down African-American patrons, we have another Sandy Hook on our hands. What are we doing? There have been more mass shootings than days in the year. Our kids are living in fear every single time they set foot in the classroom because they think they're going to be next. What are we doing? Why do you spend all this time running for the United States Senate? Why do you go through all the hassle of getting this job, of putting yourself in a position of authority, if your answer is that as this slaughter increases, as our kids run for their lives, we do nothing? What are we doing? Why are you here if not to solve a problem as existential as this? This isn't inevitable. These kids weren't unlucky. This only happens in this country and nowhere else. Nowhere else do little kids go to school thinking that they might be shot that day. Nowhere else do parents have to talk to their kids, as I have had to do, about why they got locked into a bathroom and told to be quiet for five minutes just in case a bad man entered that building. Nowhere else does that happen except here in the United States of America. And it is a choice. It is our choice to let it continue. What are we doing? But I'm here on this floor to beg, to literally get down on my hands and knees and beg my colleagues. Find a path forward here work with us to find a way to pass laws that make this less likely. I understand my Republican colleagues will not agree to everything that I may support, but there is a common denominator that we can find. There is a place where we can achieve agreement that may not guarantee that America never, ever again sees a mass shooting. That may not overnight cut in half the number of murders that happen in America. It will not solve the problem of American violence by itself. But by doing something, we at least stop sending this quiet message of endorsement to these killers whose brains are breaking, who see the highest levels of government doing nothing, shooting after shooting.
1: The one thing I like about him, I like the mm. passion. I mean, to do it, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I've come again, working in the industry that I work into, you know it's like there's all kinds of shit that it's a very chaotic industry and things like that. Um, and finding solutions for different things is always the dilemma that we run into. And I just like that just because it's just, let's talk about it. Yeah. Let's f- figure something out. He wasn't saying necessarily anything about what that solution was, but it was just like, fuck, let's, (laughs) let's discuss, you know? And and that's why I like that video, you
6: know? So I got, I got three things for you. The first one is, is that when I was in life insurance, I had to tell people every single time I was interviewing them for their benefits and other things, I had to tell them that they were going to die at some point point. They need to be ready to take care of their family should they die in an unfortunate accident, most likely a car crash. And one of the things that's always emphasized by uh, doctors, lawyers, and accountants is that you should never, ever make major financial decisions after you lost someone. But within weeks, of the mourning process starting, we have a push towards the the urge to do something. And sometimes the urge to do something can be the wrong urge because we're we're compromised mentally. And because of that, that's why I've a lot of misgivings towards many of the the pushes for gun control after mass shootings, because we're essentially, we're, we're all mourning from this process. And we need to understand, what's going on with it before we can we can clear our minds like okay what what's going on what's what do we need to do next time
1: i want to say something on that real quick too because you're absolutely right i mean and i tell everybody even when you're angry when you're hurt when you're sad we don't think through our feelings thinking through our feelings is what's going to
6: lead us to bad choices and i think that's what you're saying exactly we in order to solve a problem we need to understand what the problem is. And I can't do that when I'm frothing at the mouth mad. I, yeah. I know that about myself when I'm upset, when I'm hungry even, I cannot think clearly. And yeah. so emphasis within, within my, on my side of the tracks is that training, experience, and understanding these problems are the keys to figuring out how do we prevent them? How do we stop them? And how do we shorten the situations that they that we unfortunately have to encounter? The, the second thing is, is that another aspect of this, which people probably don't wanna hear about is that uh, public schooling is actually a new experiment. We have not had public schools for most of human history. It has been mostly private education or just knowledge passed down from family member to family member. And I grew up in a homeschool. I was educated in, uh, by Christian Liberty Academy. Uh, we paid a large amount of money to have books shipped to us, and I never set foot into a school for education yeah. purposes uh, since I was going to school. And how did you learn your how did you learn your social skills? My social skills were actually connected to my uh, religious uh, connections because I spent probably from age six to age 17 on the weekends dealing with my my parents friends and our little religious unit who are all like past 50 or 60 at the time so i'm dealing with mature individuals and they've actually interesting enough done studies that shows that homeschooled individuals have a better access to a wider variety of individuals to deal with and their, their social skills prepare them better for college than being surrounded entirely by people of the same age. Okay. So,
1: yeah, because I, I was curious on that. Like I went to, um, when I started high school, I went to a Christian high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I got expelled halfway through my sophomore year. <laughs> yeah. Um, but of course, back then we didn't have internet. We didn't have, you know, any of that kind of stuff. Um, now, you obviously grew up in a time where
6: there was internet. Oh, there was internet. It wasn't that good. I had dial-up internet until about two thousand twelve. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep.
1: Yeah. Don't um, use
6: the phone. We're, yeah. we're using the net right now. Yeah. So yeah, I was
1: just kind of thinking on that though, with like, you know, obviously when I was in school, libraries, we had to go to, you know, do all of our stuff. It I mean, yeah. that's where we had to get all of our information. So
6: I was just kind of wondering how different that is. Um oh it's it's significantly different. Um the level of drive that I see in Individuals who are driving intensity for individuals who are homeschooled is a lot higher than any individual that I see in uh, public school, because I, I participated in a youth symphony of all things, and many of the people who were more normal, because public school is normal, uh, a lot of them were very, they didn't care, they didn't have the passion I've seen some of my other peers have and the ones who were homeschooled, because it was it was a pretty decent mix in that uh, youth symphony, was that people who were homeschooled did a lot more with their music. They did a significant job at, at practicing. I didn't do it because I really wasn't into it, but um, the, the idea that we have to go somewhere else in order to, to learn things is actually against literally thousands of years of, of human development so if we uh, can make it a part of our all of our
1: uh, yeah yeah you know, it's like been my parents and you know <laughs> yeah
6: but it's it's the, the developmental structure of how people learn differs we have special schools for people who learn at a different rate than others it's not that they're stupid or slow or anything else it's that they learn in a different way than your standard individual there's a yeah. there's a great thing i keep hearing about in the stuff that i've been watching recently is that uh, back in the day when they were making a new fighter jet, the Air Force decided we we're going to make a seat that is for an average in every way. It is the averages of all human, torso uh, length, arm length, everything. And this will fit all of our pilots. No one could fit in the seat. Absolutely no one could use the chair. So they had to make the chair bigger. They had to make it customizable, and they had to make it in such a way that it could fit and adjust the end user rather than forcing the end user into a particular mold. And that is what education currently is. You have to fit in this mold. Otherwise you will fail.
1: Let me tell you, let me make a comment real quick on that. Um, The problem, here's the problem I see. Mm -hmm. And you got to remember that there's different families get into abusive families. You get families where they're raping their kids. You get families that are using drugs. You know, you got, so there's a whole spectrum of things. This is also where I think the, one of the major problems is, is that we also live in a day today where schools don't want to teach kids sex education. They don't want to teach kids about drugs because it's going to make them want to do drugs or it's going to make them want to have sex. It's the most absurd shit ever um, yeah. because, and, and the, here's the problem I have with it is that, you know, working in the industry I work in, mm. we deal with lots of people that come from abusive families, sexual abuse, physical abuse, you know, all, all, all spectrums and stuff. The one major benefit, especially in today's society, is that kids go to school and sometimes they're seen with marks on them because we live in a fucked up society, you know, we absolutely other, do. And the other side to it is this. I mean, we you live a little bit closer to the realm of lots of hate. Mm. <laughs> go a little south, you know, it goes south. Yeah. Me, right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and. um <sighs> you know that's another thing that and we've talked a lot about on this uh my my co-host is actually a transgender female to male um uh, lives in north carolina bible mm-hmm. belt state gotta love it <laughs> he's awesome though you know yeah. um but we've gotten in, into a lot of different hate stuff i had um my last show i did with this guy jeff scoop who uh was the it was with the um National Socialist Movement for 27 years. He was the leader of them for 25 years, and he walked away from them. Um, he actually now speaks out against that stuff. Um, but I was just kind of thinking about that with all the information you're getting is
6: from your parents. That may work great for you. Oh, it wasn't, it wasn't just my parents. But my, my point is, is that the actual probable solution to avoid school shootings is to decentralize education. Right now, we have people funneling all into probably, I'm thinking about it, five or six different counties funnel into five to six different places, Mm. all within the same area of each other. So if we decentralize education, we don't make as juicy of a target. We also get better methods of teaching. We also get potential for uh, a lot more growth uh, and culminates in better people than just, well, absolutely have to be homeschooled. I'm not saying you have to be homeschooled. I say that the, the option should be there, and a lot of people are taking their kids out of school because of what they're they're concerned about, but there needs to be something that is not public school, private school, homeschool. There needs to be like a, a middle, I hate using the term, but like a guerrilla school in the middle, something where you can set it up somewhere, anywhere, and teach kids what they need to know, teach them the skills that they, have, they which I think, need.
1: Which I think is self-esteem, learning to love themselves, care about themselves, you know, respect themselves. You know, that, that's the stuff that I think there should be so much more focus on than history and science and math and, you know, this kind of stuff. And especially in, especially in like junior high school or, you know, in that arena, with, where, that, that's where success comes. You know, I can have all the knowledge in the world,
6: but if I don't have confidence, I'm not going to be successful. You know what the you know? saddest thing is? The, when I was a teenager, the, the greatest confidence boost I ever got was to understand how people die. The how what? How people die. And to realize that everyone is as fragile as I am was completely reassuring. But going off of your, uh, your co-hosts, Uh, transgenderism. One of the major aspects that people don't consider is that much of gun control is rooted in anti LGBTQ, uh, anti, anti black or racist ideologies. And the history of that, which goes into the other aspect of it is tied into the discrimination of minorities of lower social classes and uh, protect, well, not protected classes and of high risk individuals, because many of the things that we hear today is that uh, all cops are bastards and that the the police are full of racist homophobic individuals, yeah. and while that is not necessarily true, that is the argument that we keep hearing put out and out and out, but the safety of an individual who might be in a racial minority or who might be part of the LGBTQ is worried about a hate crime going against them. If there's all of a sudden uh, an administrative uh, block between them and the ability to defend themselves, that is, is, that is administered by the organization that they are afraid of to uh, possibly commit a hate crime against them, does not make a lot of sense to me. We need to all. give them guns. Exactly. Every <laughs> uh, the 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 other weird part is that many people advocate for these the exact same cops that they say are are racist homophobic bastards should also be the only ones in society to have firearms, and that makes little to no sense to me. Yeah, yeah I agree. And, I agree, hundred percent. Yeah,
1: I you know, and the thing, but the thing on this is like you know you look into racism i mean just the just to say like all cops are bad that's a racist in general (laughs) thing you know it's
6: too broad of a a stroke it needs to be looked at at an individual case or if we're dealing with like a group of individuals who are committing the crime you know co-conspirators the the problem is we're looking at a broad picture when the problems are individualized yeah and so it's like all guns are bad all cops are bad all gays are bad. All whites are bad. All blacks are bad. It's like people just suck. That's my personal opinion. Uh, absolutely. But how do you, we how can you even say out? that?
1: You know, I mean, how, I, th- that's what me and that uh, guy, Jeff scoop got into, you know, and he was talking about that and, you know, his total mindset, but he, you know, he had realized that like, if I'm going to say like, you know, cause I, them being the largest neo-Nazi organization in the country, you know, mm. his, his biggest thing was antisemitism and, Hi. you know, and yeah, <laughs> And just the idea of like, he, he, you know, came to that realization was like,
6: how can I hate all Jews? I don't know all Jews. Yeah, you know, how I, I, I know some individuals of every race, creed and anything who I absolutely detest. And one of the other aspects of why I'm why I am pro-Gun and why I'm pro-Second Amendment is because on my mom's side, Polish and Jewish. Were targeted specifically in World War II. They were disarmed. They were killed. Yeah. On my dad's side, I got Norwegian, uh, Pol- not Norwegians, <laughs> Germans, and possibly uh, some more Jewish. So it's just like, listen, you're you're a, I, you're, a, you're messed up, man. Yeah, I uh, I got everybody hating on me. Uh, but it's one of those things where it's just like people need to be able to make their own choices. Yeah. And the more I see the solutions, the more I think people just say. They want to make other people's choices for them, but yeah. that's that's not how we have a free society. That's how we get these uh, dictatorial uh, regimes where you're just like, well, you're just here to make me money, and it's like, that's, I don't, I'm not comfortable with that. Can I leave? The answer is no, but I want to leave. That's just too bad. Right. I believe in free choice. I
1: believe that people should have the ability to choose. You know i i still kind of roll a little bit with no research on somebody um i mean if you got somebody that has killed 10 people and
6: (laughs) yeah it's it's one of the things where it's like you know and maybe there is an ability to find out (laughs) the the legal aspect of this would be uh mens rea uh prior behavior indicators so if of course like if we have someone who's already had violent crimes already been uh pre predetermined to try to kill people try to murder people uh i believe that there needs to be a, a shift in how the law is done we need to have better evidence for this is the guy or the girl or whatever yeah, right. we need to have personally stricter punishments for those who murder other people yeah. and we need to have less punishments for those who really just like hey i've got a plant Well, screw you because you screw you and your plan and it's just like oh okay man i got the munchies can you leave me alone
1: we need to uh we need to cut down the government yes make it smaller you know but hey i want to thank you man i we're kind of running out of time here how many guns
6: do you own i own none currently actually i'm trying (laughs) to change that by uh And by legally following the process that Illinois currently has, and I hope to move to another place where uh, there are less restrictions so that my work and my hobby can flourish and I can be safe and surrounded by people who share that hobby and essentially live a quiet life as much as I can.
1: I I wouldn't be a good hunter because I would pull that thing up and I would see that deer and I'd be like, can't shoot that
6: thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I completely understand that. It's like for the most part, I like leaving animals alone, except yeah. when they come into my house and poop up my stuff, which is right. why I have mouse yeah. traps. But other than that. Yeah, I'm not I'm not a killer. <laughs> I would prefer to if I were to hunt, I would prefer something that I could eat because I have certain dietary restrictions. And if I'm going to kill something, I'm going to get as much of it as I can out of it, at least in terms of hunting. Good. But I want to and- thank
1: everybody for tuning into another episode of walk a mile in my shoes. Again, the show that works to understand sometimes those things that we do not understand. I miss you Wish you were back on the show. Hope to see you soon <laughs> and we'll see you when we see you.